And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to The Real Investment Show. Of course, it is hump day, and that means that Danny Ratliff is joining me this morning talk a little bit about so you're thinking about retiring early are you well we'll get into why people are retiring early what's actually driving that and if that's really going to be the case going forward or is this kind of been a one-time anomaly um, but a few of the things that are going on of course a big bank earnings uh, of course over the last couple of days uh, in particular and actually I got an email here um, regarding kind of big bank earnings of what's going on. Let me sure I got the right one here. Um, one of the interesting things about earnings, and I got, like I said, I got this email, uh, came in early this morning, uh, that brought up a really good point. And when we talk about earnings, everybody's all excited right now. We've talked about how earnings season has continued to kind of be put under pressure. Um, analysts continuing to downgrade estimates. But again, you know, people are, are, are running into a lot of stocks right now, and we're seeing sentiment really driving a lot higher here. We're seeing, uh, you know, bullish sentiment, both retail investors as well as individual investors getting back to rather extreme highs. Uh, fear, greed indexes really kind of across the board, moving back into that extreme, uh, kind of extreme fear, uh, sorry, extreme greed area of the market as people are really chasing in now the most speculative of stocks. So we're seeing that whole kind of return to exuberance that we saw back in 2021. Uh, the big difference now though, of course, is that in 2021, earnings were growing because we had a very strongly growing economy because of $5 trillion worth of stimulus. Plus you had 120 billion a month in QE, et cetera. So there's a lot of reason for speculative stocks to be running then. Of course, today you've got QT and you don't have stimulus and the economy is slowing down. So very different backdrop, but yet you're seeing a lot of the same very exuberant movements. But this was interesting, um, an email that I got from Brian. So Brian, thank you for the email this morning. Uh, Charles Schwab, earnings are down from 93 cents to 75 cents. Revenues down from 5.1 billion to 4.6 billion. So despite the fact that people are jumping into these stocks and buying these stocks and oh, they beat earnings, so I'm gonna buy the stock. Pay attention to the fundamentals. Uh, Bank of America, earnings down from 94 cents to 88 cents. Revenue down from 26 billion to 25.1 billion. Morgan Stanley, earnings are down from 170 to 124. Revenue down from 14.5 billion to 13.4 billion. So all of them are all down 10% or more from the previous quarter. <clears throat> but yet, this is what markets are buying right now. And this is what investors are buying within within the markets at the moment going okay we beat earnings so apparently the worst is behind us be careful with that because again the economy is slowing down and all that stimulus is leaving the market and again as we talked about yesterday those student loan payments are going to start hitting um, in august september which is not going to be a minor hit to the economy so again just kind of keep things in focus of what we're paying for because this whole rally this year which has been very healthy we've had a nice healthy rally this year so far, um, has been really just a function of valuation expansion because the earnings aren't growing to support it. Now, lots of estimates right now that by the end of 2024, we're gonna be at record high earnings. Analysts are very exuberant that we're about to have no recession 
and a very strong economic recovery, which would drive that earnings growth over the course of the next 12 to 18 months. It's, it's, it's a fairly big leap considering that you have 5% interest rates, et cetera. But again, not saying it can't happen, but that's the bet that investors are taking on. But this is, this is the point that we've been talking about for a while. The market's not really paying attention to fundamentals too much. It's all about the expectation. The hope is for rate cuts and that the Fed is going to start providing monetary accommodation because inflation is slowing. And as soon as the Fed is theoretically worried about disinflation or deflation, well, then the, the money will come flowing back into the markets. This is the hope. This is the hope right now. But again, is that sustainable? Is that logical? I don't know. We'll talk about that. Markets uh, looked to, you know, had a very nice rally yesterday. Um, we're going to have another potentially stronger open this morning, all on the back of earnings right now. Earnings season's coming on, so everybody's very excited right now because, you know, companies are beating this much lowered earnings. But pay attention, as I said, you know, pay attention to what's actually happening with earnings. Are companies making more money or less money? That's what you really need to know because that's what you're buying. And remember, when you buy or invest in a company, you're investing in their future streams of cash flow and earnings. And so if you're paying more for getting less, it tends not to really work out that well uh, long term. Now, in the short term, it doesn't really matter. S&P now, though, of course, at the highest level for the year. As of yesterday, uh, Microsoft's breaking out to a 52-week high yesterday on the new pricing model for AI. And so they're trying to figure out how to monetize artificial intelligence. Uh, so we're seeing, still seeing a lot of that kind of speculative activity in the markets, all kind of still chasing this, you know, this whole artificial intelligence move at the moment. And as we said before, these things can certainly last a lot longer than you think. But here's what you need to know before the bell this morning. Um, again, more earnings coming in today. Not a lot of economic data uh, today to really speak of. Mostly drive, earnings kind of be driving the markets now for the next couple of weeks as we head into the uh, late July FOMC meeting where we'll get the next kind of view from the Federal Reserve on further rate hikes. But markets are getting pretty far ahead of themselves. This is the small cap index, which has been lagging the rest of the overall market this year. NASDAQ up the most this year, followed by the S&P, the Russell Equal Rate Index, uh, sorry, the uh, S&P 500 Equal Weighted Index, lagging the market by a good bit this year. Again, this has been a fairly narrow rally in terms of the mega cap stocks really driving the market cap weighted index this year. Again, they, they've been, they absorb about 30, 33% of every dollar going into passive ETFs, but we are starting to see that rally broaden out a bit. And this is, as I said, you're now seeing small cap, mid caps kind of join the party. We added some small cap stocks to our portfolio earlier this year. Um, also kind of a small cap, mid cap ETF. Um, that's been doing well, now getting pretty overbought here. We're now pushing up to three standard deviations above the 50 day moving average. And as we talked about yesterday in particular, uh, these deviations from you know, these moving averages have to be filled at some point. And we're getting to the point that these deviations are getting fairly extreme on several different fronts. But at the moment, still on buy signals, our money flow indexes are still turned up positive here. So again, doesn't mean that markets can't go higher, but when they are currently kind of pushing into these three standard deviation territories, upside becomes a bit more limited. Plus the markets have been rallying now for seven days straight. That's a fairly long stretch of a rally uh, for markets. And again, we talk about these buying and selling stampedes that we have uh, from time to time. And so we're starting to push 
a little bit longer into that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a day or two where you have this market relax a little bit, but you really do need a correction back towards that 20 day moving average at least to give you a better entry point. And that really kind of goes across the board when we get back to talking about the S&P 500, it's also pushing up towards three standard deviations. But again, as we, as we said earlier, when we start looking at the market from a perspective, these deviations from these moving averages, particularly the 200-day moving averages, are getting really extreme here. And that is it's even more so the case, again, you know, still on a buy signal, money flow signal still in place. So again, this kind of push higher, not surprising. But again, getting this rally that really kind of started with this breakout back in May, and we talked about the fact that we had this very long April-May period of just consolidation, and then finally the market broke out. So this rally out of this consolidation is not surprising, and it's what you would expect. But again, we're getting fairly long in the tooth with this, and so expecting some type of correction back towards these moving averages would certainly not be a surprise. And again, you'll see, I have a lot of people come out talking about, oh, the return of the, of the bear market's back. Uh, that's not gonna be the case. What you need here is a correction to buy into. Importantly, the NASDAQ is the most deviated by a very large extreme on buy signal still, again, supporting that rally higher here, but that correction that needs to occur at some point just to kind of reset the table needs to happen. And again, when that happens, who knows what will trigger it, but that will provide you a much better entry point to add exposure to your portfolio. So just be a little bit cautious here. I would look, be, uh, especially be kind of looking here now as we head into August, September, take a little bit of profit, rebalance risk, uh, and kind of get your portfolio in a position to weather a little bit of a correction when and if it occurs. But that's what you need to know before the bell this morning. Coming back from the uh, break here, we'll pick up with Danny Ratliff. We'll get into, well, you think about retiring early. Is it a good idea? We'll talk about that with Danny. Don't go away. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Declare your financial independence and prepare for the second half of 2023 with the RIA Mid-Year Economic Review. Saturday, July 22nd. With Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Chief Investment Strategist Lance Roberts. Get our report card for the market so far and what you need to know to invest profitably for the rest of the year. Register now for the RIA Mid-Year Economic Review, Saturday, July 22nd, with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Good morning. Welcome back to the show this morning. Danny Ralph joining me. Good morning, Danny. How are you? Good. Um, so a couple of things here before we get into the show. Got to talk a little bit about, so you're thinking about retiring early. We're going to talk about that a little bit here with Danny in a second. Uh, but uh, today we've got a lot, you know, again, just talking about a few minutes ago about earnings and kind of what's coming in here. You got to pay attention to what's happening with these earnings. Yes, these companies are all beating estimates because, yes, this is millennial earnings season. Everybody gets a trophy because we lower the bar so much that everybody gets over them. And we had a very big reduction in second quarter estimates from when they were initially put out last year. And this is why it's important. Take a look at some of the earnings estimates right now for the S&P as an example for the end of 2024. Mark that. I've, I've put some charts out 
uh, on our Twitter feed, at Lance Roberts, um, so that you can kind of mark these. And then in a year when we come back and we're talking about earnings and, and ask, you know what these companies are going to earn, you can look back to these charts and go, well, what were they saying you know, this time last year when you know, companies were reporting? What were those estimates back then? And you will see just how far those estimates have had to drop for us to have these earnings beats. But today, again, we'll, we're going to have a lot, of, a lot of companies coming out, Netflix, um, Tesla, Goldman Sachs, Alcoa, Ally Financial, ASML Technologies, Citizens Financial Group. And again, we're still getting a lot of these regional banks coming out. And, you know, we bought regional banks earlier this year on the assumption that, you know, most of the bad news was priced in. PNC Financial reporting yesterday beat estimates, um, but did kind of warn about lower net interest income for this year. Market saw right through all that. Stock had a nice rally yesterday. Um um, where was I? Citizen Financial Group, Discover Financial Services, Halliburton, IBM, Las Vegas Sands, NASDAQ uh, and, uh, uh, Company, uh, United Airlines, and Zions Bank. So, again, quite a few regionals coming in today. Again, we're getting that view on the regional banking sector that most of the crisis is now behind us. Nobody's coming up and talking about so far. Again, we're not done with earnings season yet, but so far, um, it seems that most of the risk to the regional banks. Um, is now behind us, at least for the moment. We'll, we'll see what happens. Um, so one other thing I, I just wanted to touch on, I got an email this morning from one of our SimpleVisor users. And this is something I, I, you know, that, you know, Danny will tell you this as well. There's been a lot of innovation over the course of the last few years in particular because of the adoption of technology. You know, we've had robo-advisors come online. We've had a whole lot of different sources to kind of this, this idea we're going to democratize finance, right? We're going to make finance available to everybody in the country. And that's fine in theory, but it doesn't it, – it's not really what you want to have happen with finance. And, and let me – but before you jump off the cliff, let me just explain why I'm saying that. Investing requires – two things. One, it requires time and discipline, right? You, I mean, you've got to have, you know, a focus for, for doing these things and understand what the, what the outcome is that you want. And the second is you've got to have some capital to work with. And, and what I mean by that in, in particular, and Danny and I talk about this all the time, about, you know, paying off your debt, building up an emergency cushion. And the reason that you do that is you pay off your debt to generate free cash flow, and then you get you have this emergency cushion there in case you lose your job or whatever it is so that you don't have to go touch your finances, right? And that allows you to invest and allow that compounding effect to work over time. Well, the, the, the issue that I have with this, this idea of democratizing financing, making it available to everybody, it's great. But the problem is, is that all we have done is just teach people to now gamble online, right? And so anybody that now comes along and says, oh... You can, you can get on this app and you can just put $5 into a commercial real estate building or you can put, you know, just as small as $10, you can buy this or that or this other thing. And so, yeah, the idea is great. We're going to get the poorest people in the country to now invest in the markets. But whose really advantage is this for? Is it for the people that are providing the product where they're now bringing in these dollars from people that really can't afford to lose the money? Right, because this is all they have. Literally, this is all they have in some cases. Is it really benefiting them more, or is it really truly is this democratization of finance really helping those 
on the smaller end of the scale. And the reason I bring this up is that we've seen a lot of these democratized ideas over the last couple of years, peer-to-peer financing, right? Where now Danny, as an example, he can loan money to Brent, who Brent puts up this thing and says, oh, I need, you know, $500 so I can buy a new big screen TV for my house. And so Danny will loan him the money and hope that Brent will eventually pay him back, right? And these are very high interest rate deals. Um, Of course, a lot of those don't work out. Other things that we've seen uh, also is, is allowing people to invest in real estate, right? And it's like, oh, you need to invest in real estate. So here's a way that you can do this with just as little as $5 or $10 or $100, whatever their limit is. We're just going to get, you know, hundreds of thousands of people to all invest into this building. But is it really for the benefit of those in the peer funding group Right? Are they really benefiting from that, or is it the people that are promoting the project and and promoting the development? And this is why you really have to read the documents. But here's why I bring all this up. I got an email this morning from one of our Simplevisor users. I'm just going to read to you real quick. Um, I had invested about $21,000 into Peer Street crowdfunding. So, right there was your big red flag. I should have been paying closer attention to it. They filed bankruptcy because of all of, because of the fall of commercial real estate <clears throat> and high interest rates. All transactions have been paused, and the courts will now decide who gets what. And I thought the investments were secured by the properties for which I lent the money, but come to find out that's not true. Absolutely, in these crowdfunding deals, it is not true. And here's the other problem with this. If a deal is good, if there is a really good deal, and Danny will tell you this as well, it is, it is going to be handled by one of the major brokerage banks. or one of the ma- It'll be a Blackstone. It'll be a BlackRock. It'll be something like that. Really good deals are going to be bought up very quickly by the big companies because they're, they, that's who these people with these deals go to first. If, I've got, if Danny and I have a really good project that we want funded, we'll go to Blackstone and get it funded. Right, because they're they'll they are always in the market for funding type of deals because that's what that's what they do. The deals that are out there, they're going these crowdfunding deals are second, third tier deals, first of all. And outside of that, the reason that they're bringing this to you, and this is always the question that you need to ask yourself as an investor when somebody comes to you and says, "Hey, I've got this deal for you." Ask yourself this question first. Well, why am I so lucky that you're bringing it to me? (laughs) Again, because there's lots of high money investors out there that will invest in this stuff immediately if it's a good deal. So if it's getting to you as the retail investor, and particularly if it's getting to you on the crowdfunding side of these deals, you've got to really ask yourself, why am I so lucky that you're bringing this deal to me? What makes me that opportunity that you need my money for this deal? Is it really that good of a deal? And then most most importantly, understand what you're investing in. If you're investing into a real estate deal, make sure that it's really a good deal for you and make sure it's a really good deal. And then most importantly, and, and this, is, this is the important lesson about crowdfunding, whenever you're investing in real estate, you should be a beneficial owner of some, some part of that structure, right? Because you're investing in real estate. And, and so, you know, if you're just providing money, you know, you don't have any type of, of guarantee that if that building goes into bankruptcy, which happens from time to time, you've got no claim on those assets to get refunded back your money. So just be a little cautious with these crowdfunding things. Look, technology is awesome. 
all these things that are coming to, to market where you can use an app to invest in this, that, or the other thing, it sounds great. But just be cautious and, and ask yourself the question, why are you so lucky that you're doing this? Unfortunately, in this deal, um, I, I hate to tell you this, you're probably not going to get any money back. Um, even if they go through bankruptcy, you do, you might get a little bit of money back. But most of it will go to the bigger creditors uh, and, and the first lien holders in most cases, which will be the banks that provided the first lien for the properties to start with. So anyway, um, just be careful. My whole point is just be careful. Understand what you're investing in before you do it. Danny, any thoughts on that before we move on? Well, I mean, I, th I think it goes back to just the very basics. Unfortunately, we don't teach financial literacy as well as we should in this country. And, and you know, when we democratize everything where mm -hmm. everybody gains access to it, I think there's benefits to it. There's sure. no doubt about it. Yeah. But you do have to know what you're getting into. And so, unfortunately, in this instance, there's no recourse because they don't technically actually own the properties. Right? That's a problem. Yeah. Um, when somebody can put funds into the markets without being taught exactly, you know, any of the basics of fundamentals of investing, it's difficult, right? Especially when everybody has a voice. You know, you look at all these different platforms. I mean, shoot, you guys are listening to us here on YouTube or <laughs> on air, radio. I mean, you know, so, but you got to take things with a grain of salt, do your own research, understand, and then build out, you know, what you need to be doing personally. And I think that's what so many people fail to do, Lance, is that you put the cart before the horse and we mm -hmm. say, listen, I need to make a bunch of money. Instead of them putting the funds aside, they're expecting the market to do that for them, which then causes them to chase returns, take on way too much risk, and many times not understand exactly what they're doing and then have no exit strategy. Yeah. It's just like I heard a radio ad uh, yesterday is a good example of this. Yeah. Promising in excess of 10% rates of return guaranteed with immediate liquidity. Now, you need to really think about that. It sounds great. But first of all, you cannot guarantee returns in the financial market, period, ever, on anything. And especially with rates of return that are double what the going interest rate is. You've got to really ask yourself how much risk you're taking. It sounds too good to be true. Yeah, and and look, and is. that's the point. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Be right back after the break, and we'll talk about retiring early now that we've set the whole ball up for this. <laughs> if you're thinking about retiring early, we'll talk about that coming back after the break with Danny Ratliff. The Real Investment Advice blog. It's required reading for the informed investor. Catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com. Grant me the serenity to accept the people I cannot change, the courage to change direction when I see them coming, and the wisdom to not try to smack some sense into them when I can't avoid them. That's a that's a little note from Brent this morning. Why why you laugh at your own jokes? I think it's so funny when you laugh at your own jokes. I amuse myself. <laughs> <laughs> because I can. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> but I like this. This is a very good saying. I, I will have to adopt this. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I just feel gratified when you uh, when you notice and appreciate and even I, use it. I, I, I notice them every day. Sometimes I can't figure out how to work them yeah. into the show. So Some are better than others. Exactly. Um, want to retire early. This is um, you know kind of one of the conundrums uh, of the market over the last couple of years. Uh, during 2020, we saw a a change to the labor force uh and and in that the excuse was at the time 
that, well, it's just everybody retiring early. And like we have all these baby boomers that are dropping out of the labor force because they're they're just retiring. And the the real reason was, of course, is that and and we saw this, uh, you know, Danny and I both saw a lot of this. We had our clients coming to us going, um, well, I was just given this option to retire early and they're paying me so much money to retire early. I just can't turn it down. And so they retired early. Now, a lot of them are now going, I think I'm going back to work because, hey, first of all, retirement sounds great in theory, but you can only play so many rounds of golf. And then after a while, you just get bored. <laughs> so we have a lot. I have a, I have a lot of my friends that did retire early. They got nice retirement packages from oil companies. They're now going back to work. They're they're consulting or doing something, right? But it's just you know they're, they're you know my dad when my dad retired, he was retired for about six months, and he called me one day. He says uh, he says son, I've got a I, I got a new job, and I'm like, well, why are you going back to work? I said, you just retired like six months ago. He says, well, I figured it was time. I was standing here by the kitchen window this morning, drinking my cup of coffee. There was a stapler on the, on the table and I was wondering what it was like to staple my ear to my head. And I figured, well, it's time to go back to work. Uh, (laughs) And, and that's just kind of the true statement that, you know, it's just after a while, if you don't have something to kind of fill that time, um, and, and people miss the commodity. I talked to a lot of the people that have retired and have gone back to work. And they're like, you know, I just miss going to the office and being with other people, right? It's, it's great to be at home and retired, but I just kind of miss, you know, the camaraderie that you have when you work with other coworkers and things. So anyway, uh, we, we saw this big shift of people retiring. And now a lot of them are going back to work. But there's still a lot of the data that suggests that we do have a rash of people retiring early, et cetera. Um, you know, Danny, what are your what are your thoughts on all this? Well, I, I think a, peop, a lot of people anticipate certain ages that they're going to retire. Maybe sixty two because they can start Social Security. Maybe sixty five, waiting for Medicare. Yeah, age. mine's sixty two. What? Mine's sixty two. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen your plan? It looks awful. <laughs> I mean, it never gets guys, better. Guys, you know, my plan never gets better. <laughs> yeah, it's never improved. Keep putting funds aside, but uh, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's weird. Very, very weird. But. You know, I think the issue here is that actually we find that people retire much earlier than their anticipated retirement date. So there was a a study done by Social Science Research Network that says Americans tend to retire actually earlier than they expect on average. And a number of social demographic factors can be shown to influence the actual retirement date. So what it found was more than half of Americans retire earlier than they thought, while one in six Americans retired at the exact age they expected, just under 80 percent retired five years within that retirement age of when they thought they would. Now, here's a, here's a, here's an interesting question, yep. right? Okay, so you and I, and 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 I was, just, I was just listening to what you were saying, right? And I haven't read this entire article yet, so mm-hmm. maybe it's addressed in the article. But it's talking about the number of people that have retired within their window that they said. Okay, but you and I know the stats the, of the average American, right? 80% don't have you know, $500 to spend, you know, um, a large number of people don't have access to a 401k plan. The average retirement balance is less than one year's income. We know all those stats. So my question is, is they're talking about people that actually retired, but how many of the people that were surveyed have not retired at all, right? Or can't retire, I guess is the question. So if you have a pool of, of 100 people, are we talking about the 10 people that actually retired out of that 90 that couldn't retire or 
are well, the, well, they're they're factoring in the people that are still working as well okay. because you have to figure: Did you retire during that date? Did maybe you go longer? Did you go earlier? And I think that's one of the factors. And so, what we also see is that many times people retire when they really shouldn't, right? But they're forced to. Um, and so, one thing they found was significant factors where the individuals expected actual retirement decisions are health status. So we see a lot of times yeah. that is a big, big factor. You know, yeah. we have, and it may not be your own health. So everybody says, well, I'm taking care of myself. I'm good. Well, what if it's your parents? What if it's a child? What if it's your spouse? And we see that happen way more often than I think people anticipate. Um, it, it can be wealth level. And so that's a big caveat. Clearly, if you have the wealth and you can do so. Now, what we do find a lot of times is that you lose that sense of purpose. You go back to work or doing something. And so many people I know who are technically retired, they're not working for somebody. They have something that they're doing. They may be doing contract work, started their own business. They may have rental properties. I mean, you know, the list goes on and on, but they find ways to still have income coming in. And, you know, technically we could say that they are working. Right. Um, but, you know, we, we also find that, you know, age just in general, mortality expectations, you know, I've visited with a couple of people recently and they're like, look, I figure the way I'm, I'm looking at this, I've got 10 years left or 12 years. And <laughs> sometimes this is so wrong. She's like, okay, well, what if you don't? Well, I'll figure it out then. Because they may say, I'm going to dwindle this down. I'm going to pay, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to use the funds I have. And while, listen, I'd love to know my expiration date. I think we would all live significantly differently if we knew exactly when that was. We don't know. Yeah. And, and so we have How to be careful that with be? that. How horrible would that be? Living with the fact, you know, exactly the date you're going to die. <laughs> that would be terrible. Yeah. You'd live a little differently, wouldn't you? Yeah. Well, earlier in life, you would take all the risk in the world, right? Because, Which you'd probably die earlier because... Well, no, no. You know the exact date, right? Yeah, Which okay, means that yeah. nothing, the, nothing that you do is going to harm you. But, but when you get within that 10-year window, you get super cautious. <laughs> right. Or you just say, hey, I know what I'm going out. Yeah. You know, um, way earlier than I thought. Yeah. Exactly. Logan's Run. Yeah. <laughs> if, but, you don't know, if you don't know the reference to Logan's Run, go look it up. So, I'm not going to explain it. So a lot of this is just, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had to because you use it over and over again. <laughs> Only with you. <laughs> I mean, it's like every three months I hear Logan's run, Logan's run. <laughs> so I just act like, I don't, what the heck's he talking about? <laughs> yes, we know. You've explained it. <laughs> you know, just for that, I'm retiring next year. <laughs> okay, good luck, man. <laughs> Oh, man. But, <laughs> you know, the, the other aspects are disability, major illness, diagnosis. And I think that, you know, these are not uncommon things that, that we see. And one of the bigger things that, that I think that this shows or what people need to plan for is what happens if you retire way earlier than you expect? There are things that are out of your control, right? Pandemic changed a lot for people in the sense that, you know, yeah, we had the quiet quit, so to speak. But we had a lot of people who were out of the workforce, could not find work again, and have still remained there. I mean, we saw a lot of people downsize. They said, well, shoot, I was going to work another five, 10 years. And they weren't able to at the time. So now, you know, some of them have gone back, but a lot of them just said, hey, we're just, we're making changes. Yeah. And we, we do enjoy retirement. We enjoy what we're doing, but um, it is, it looks a lot different than what it previously looked like. And so I think that what needs to be done is within financial plans, you need to start thinking about that. What does that look like if you actually retire way earlier than you anticipated? What's the impact to your overall plan, the survivability of it, your assets, the longevity of it? What if you live way longer than you anticipate and you retire early? I mean, those are things that I don't think are talked about often enough, Lance. And I think that's really the major point of looking at these types of studies and understanding that what actually happens versus what we want to happen is way, way different many times. That's true. 
That is very true. Um, so, you know, I guess the, the question, though, is, is if people are thinking about retiring early, what are some of the things they should consider, I guess, in terms of their kind of planning and those type of things? But, you know, before you jump off that cliff and say, OK, I'm retired, um, you know, kind of what are three things maybe that they should have in place before they do that? Well, I think a big mistake many people make is that you get to retirement, then you decide, well, shoot, maybe I should call somebody like a financial planner. Um, yeah. And, and you know, listen, that's great. We love helping any and everybody. And, and But some of the problems are is that we don't have as much flexibility as when somebody's younger, still in the accumulation phase, we can say, hey, let's start thinking about this. Let's start planning for this versus you know, having to do it all at once. And now we're not necessarily planning for it. We're just reacting to the situation. So um, we can certainly do that, but I think you're going to be way better off when you start that process earlier. So one of the bigger things that I think many people don't anticipate being so expensive, health insurance. Yeah. I mean, health care prior to 65 is astronomical. And that, in fact, is what can blow many people's plans up, can make it not work. Um, it's just the cost is through the roof. And, and not only that, I even thought, if you, I thought the Affordable Care Act was supposed to fix that. Well, if, if it's subsidized. So the problem is, if you have any types of means whatsoever, you're not going to, you had income. I mean, there's other caveats associated with that that make this, you know, much more expensive for many people. Now, granted, listen, we're dealing with people, generally speaking, that, that are of means, right? right? They've worked hard. They've done, they've done the right things. They put funds aside. Um, and so we can see healthcare costs. I see anywhere from like eighteen to $30,000 for a couple. Yeah. Uh, well, we see it cheaper. I mean, and there's people utilizing things like MediShare or, you know, just that general type of, you know, sharing environment for healthcare that, um, you know, can work, but a lot of people still would like that traditional healthcare to make sure they access all the things that they need. And it is just really expensive. So that's probably the number one thing. Um, but then not having flexibility with how do you withdraw assets? What does that look like? How do you do distributions? is something I think that people don't think about until you actually get there. And like, oh, wow. Yeah. Which is another reason why people go back to work with yeah. healthcare. That's right. That's exactly right. Be right back after the break. Boy. daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So good news just now on CNN. Janet Yellen, uh, of course, if you don't know who Janet Yellen is, she's the mother of the keyboard elves. She just got back from China where she took some chocolate chip cookies over. Um, she said no recession in the U.S. So just take that with what it is coming from Janet Yellen. Because this is, by the way, the same woman that said that we wouldn't have another crisis in the U.S. in, in our lifetimes or her lifetime. Take your pick. Uh, and then we had the pandemic shut down in 2020. <laughs> So, you know, you just got to be careful with what she says. You know, she pretty much panders to the to the conversation of the government. And this is just a, a good point about a lot of this economic data that's coming out and, and studies. You, you've you've always got to be careful with studies 
um, in regards to anything, whether you know it's climate change or whether it's you know uh, financial markets or economics, economic data, whatever it is. The one thing you've always got to remember is that a lot of these studies are funded by certain groups with a certain agenda, so the study is always pushed towards that outcome, right? Because I want as, yeah. as as the as the person doing the study, if I'm the think tank, right? Danny and I are going to be a think tank, which. You know, we're only working at half capacity because um, <laughs> Danny's a smart one. Um, you know, but if somebody comes to us and says, hey, I'll give you a million dollars to do the study. Well, we want the money. So we're going to make sure the study comes out. And I'll read. Uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting point that all this came up today because there was an article in The Wall Street Journal. The credibility of, of research took a hit recently when Harvard Business School professor Francesca Gino was placed on administrative leave for allegedly faking data. Ironically, Miss Gino is an expert of the phenomenon of dishonesty. But yes, she faked the data. Why? Because the group that was wanting her to create this study was paying her to have a certain outcome. Uh, Dan Ariely, which is one of the more famous kind of uh, behavioral psychologist in, in the finance realm, was also tagged with the same thing back in 2012 on a paper he produced. Um, you know, but this is this is always the problem with studies. So you've always got to take these studies with a bit of a grain of salt. And this is why in our own shop, we don't use studies. We take all the organic data, we do the analysis ourselves, and this is, hey, here's what the data says. Because what we're trying to get to is, is what drives our investment focus and those type of things. So we always take a look at the raw data rather than what other people tell us. We don't subscribe to research from Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, et cetera. We do our own research internally. Uh, hopefully that gives us better outcomes. But, you know, the, the, the point is, is that you've always be careful with studies and what they say. And when it comes to government data and what Janet Yellen's saying, you've also got to remember that she's, you know, she serves at the pleasure of the president. So, She's going to tell you whatever the administration, and it doesn't matter who, who the administration is, whether it's Republican, Democrat, or whatever, it doesn't matter. These officials, the Fed, Jerome Powell, Janet Yellen, all these people do serve ultimately at the pleasure of the president. And they are going to report back to you what the agenda is. So just always take the day. When Janet Yellen says that there's no recession coming, there's probably a recession coming. You just may want to keep that in mind. Well, yeah, let's look at her track record. I mean, yeah. you know, she was the, the the Fed chairman between, what, Bernanke and, and mm -hmm. Jerome Powell. Right. And we know what got us into this situation that we're in. We could have been raising rates for a long time. Right. Much sooner, right? Absolutely. And, and, and then somehow they trusted her yet again to run the Treasury. Which, you know, keep her off maybe the best thing she's got on her resume. I don't know. <laughs> I mean. Anyway, but just good news is this morning, no recession, and it comes with cookies. So, anyway, Danny. Um, <laughs> so, you know, one of the things that's kind of going on now with the markets and something we'll, we'll talk about on Saturday. So, on Saturday, we have our kind of our – is it a candy coffee? Is that what we're calling it? Is it a candy coffee? Uh, yeah, it's a can of coffee because we, we do keep this pretty. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to be throwing stuff at you, but it's our mid-year review. So kind okay. of answering questions. So if you do have any questions, go to realinvestmentadvice.com, go to ask a question. Or when you go sign up, it gives you the opportunity to, to, um, to ask one. We're going to try to address all of them as usual. Uh, we keep it pretty light. Um, I'm going to sure Lance will have a chart or two. Maybe depends on if I know what you're going to ask ahead of time. Oh no, I, like, I, have, I, have a ton I like to keep it candid, Lance. That, no, I mean. that's, that's fine. I've got a ton of charts on the fly, so that's easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
you know, but one thing we'll talk about, you know, you, you know, stocks right now are really benefiting from this sense of urgency that, you know, people are going, oh, my gosh, you know, last year I was, you know, and again, we, we, we talked about this, you know, last year, everybody was so negative on the markets. Recession's coming, it's going to be terrible, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, the world's going to end. And, and we kind of warned you to be careful of, about those kind of end of the world scenarios. Remember, the dollar was going to crash. We we're going to de-dollarize everything. We wrote some articles about why that wasn't going to be the case. Um, and we kind of warned you about that super negative, you know, view and that that typically provides the fuel needed for a rally in the markets. And now that the markets are rallying, everybody's going, oh, I got to get in now because I'm missing out. Right. It's that fear of missing out. We actually wrote some articles on that last year, too, about this fear of missing out on the bottom. Yeah. And now people fear, oh, I missed out on the bottom. I got to get in. And so there's a sense of urgency. And now invest, retail investors are piling into ETFs and mutual funds. And, of course, that's driving this disparity in the, in the markets because of the, of the weight of those top 10 stocks in the index. They absorb about a third of all the monies that go. So every time you invest in a mutual fund or an ETF, about a third of those dollars go in those top 10 stocks. So it just keeps driving them higher and higher and higher. But that's and that then that feeds into the psychological cycle of, of that sense of urgency. And, and so everybody's got to keep piling in. But we'll, we'll well, I'm sure we'll probably talk about that, you know, some this weekend. Yeah, I think so. I mean, market breadth has been certainly a big question. It's, you know, people are trying to look at portfolios and say, well, hold on now. I'm looking at the indexes, but that doesn't present the whole picture of your in any type of diversified portfolio. Right. It's just not the same as what you're doing with the index. And I think that's a big, big part of it. Now, I guess we've seen a little bit improvement in market breadth over the last week or so. Yeah, Dow's performing yeah. much better. What, six, seven small, days? Small up? cap. Yep. Small yeah. caps have, have been up. But again, they're they're but again, they're up, but they're lagging by a large degree. Yeah. Right. But and, but that's okay too because we may be catching something as we see some rotation. Sure, sure. No, no. Uh, no that's yeah, absolutely correct. But the the point is is that when you hear the media is like, oh, the market's up fifteen yeah. percent this year or twenty percent or whatever the number is, depending on which index you're looking at, there's a big difference between the market cap weighted indexes, and then some, you know, way way in the back, you know, it's 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 the kid, you know, that nobody likes and is totally non-athletic and running track, and he's the guy at the very back, right? That's small cap and mid cap and, and equal weight. They're at the back of the track and field, and it's that one fast kid in the front that's the NASDAQ. So, you know, it's just there's a big disparity of performance right now between, you know, the indexes. And so, yes, we are seeing some better breath. Danny's absolutely right. Breath is improving, and that's healthy. But it's 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 more of this catch up trade, and that's 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 that sense of urgency that people are going. Well, I missed out on the Nasdaq, so maybe small cap. So I'm going to jump into small cap now. Yeah. So so let me ask you this, right? I mean, we we keep hearing information that says, okay, there's no recession, but we've got all these flashing lights that are out there, right. yellow lights saying caution, caution, slow down. And I wish yet, I had the answer for you. Everybody's pushing it. What keeps you up at night? I wish I had the answer for you. Maybe we say that for Saturday. You can think about that. No, 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 no. I, 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 I will have the same answer on Saturday because I honestly can't tell you. You know, yeah. and and look, I, I write articles about this every week. It's like, hey, here's all this data. In fact, this weekend's newsletter, specifically, I'll have some charts for you on Saturday from this weekend's newsletter. But specifically, you know, we're starting to see the market turn up here which typically leads the economy by six to nine months, mm -hmm. right? We know that, right? Yeah. There's, a, there's a market. Look, everything cycles. You have market cycles and economic cycles. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't have economic cycles. There's no recessions anymore. <laughs> exactly. I mean. But you have these cycles. And, and, and right now, the economic data is very dismal. 
right? And, mm -hmm. and certainly suggest a recession is coming. But the market's saying no. And the market's telling you that that economic data is about to start turning up. That's the big conundrum. And in, over the next three or four months, you know, what's going to happen to the recessionist when the economic data starts to improve? Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, what just happened? And, and this is this is the and I don't have the answer, by the way. And I'm not saying that one one side's right or one side's wrong. I'm just saying that that's what the data says. And we'll get into it more on Saturday. But that's the big conundrum is to your point. There's a lot of indicators. Tax receipts. I'm writing an article about this right now. I'll have it out uh, next week or so. But I'm writing an article on tax receipts. It's a terrific leading indicator of recessions. Tax receipts have plummeted this year. Because why? Economic growth is slowing down. So tax receipts are falling. That certainly tells you a recession is coming, but then the market tells you no. That, I wish I had the answer. Well, does, does that kind of FOMO that everybody's experiencing, does that scare you a little bit? Yeah, of course it does. Yeah. But FOMO, the contrarian can, view. But FOMO can last a long time. Oh, it's that irrational exuberance. Exactly. But how long How long will it go? Probably longer it, than we it, can it, remain it, rational. It, it's a problem, it, right? Exactly. It can last. We're just now getting into that extreme fear, greed kind of gauge. Uh, is just getting up into that extreme fear, uh, extreme greed category. And so you can stay up here for a few months. Yeah. It'll eventually roll over. Again, you know, look, you're going to have a correction. Five to 10% certainly won't be surprising at all, um, as we said before. But, it, you know, you could get a 5% correction from 5% higher, <laughs> right? And that's... Yeah. And that's the challenge is is where that opportunity to get into. And, and again, you know, this market could go up 5% and then correct 5%. And that's great. You're about where you are now, give or take. But it's actually a better risk-reward entry point to wait for that correction to occur from whenever it occurs. Well, and, and seeing a 10% drop year over year is, is not normal. Yeah. You're going to see normal. that once or twice a year. Sure. Absolutely. Volatility should be expected. Correct. And you should want it. You, take I, advantage absolutely. of it. And we'll buy it, provided everything else is okay. <laughs> Yeah. It depends on what's driving that 10% decline, right? Correct. Yeah, and it, you hold support, and yeah, there's a lot, yeah, of, a lot, a lot of, things. of things moving. But we'll, if it happens, we'll be here to tell you all about it. All right, that wraps up the show today. Danny, thank you so much. Thank you. Good conversation today. Uh, be sure and tune in on Saturday. Uh, it's at 8 o'clock in the morning, Saturday, on our channel. So simply go to realinvestmentadvice.com. There's a banner at the top of the page where you can register and then send us your questions or email, uh, send us your questions, and we'll try to address as many as we can on Saturday. Um, but we'll see you then. So have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow with Michael Leibowitz talking about what's next in the markets. See you tomorrow. realinvestmentadvice.com.